So this is like uh, random little facts that nobody knows that you can use to one up somebody that thinks they're smarter than everyone else in the room at a cocktail party. One risk that keeps coming up again and again when we research Qualcomm is that two thirds of its revenue is coming from China. Is revenue concentration in one area a risk for Qualcomm? Hey everyone, welcome back to Chipstock Investor. Today we're going to be taking a close look at one of our top picks for 2024, which as it so happens was one of our top picks of 2023, Qualcomm. Along with this video on Qualcomm, we are also going to be publishing a manual for 2024 for this company. It will have some of our show notes as well as some slides that are not in the video you can purchase that at our Kofi shop. It'll be just $3. So head over there if this will help you in your research and get a hold of that as well. Along with that Qualcomm manual, you can find our semiconductor industry flow manual for 2024 in our Kofi shop. Let me remind you, if you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so right now before we continue and make sure you have notifications enabled so that you can stay up to date with all of our research. With that, let's talk about how Qualcomm performed for us in 2023 as one of our top picks. Put simply, it was a dud. Qualcomm had a bad year in 2023. What does that mean exactly? Well, total return, share price plus dividends reinvested only increased 32%. That was a big underperformance to the epic 59% total return for the iShares Semiconductor ETF, SOXX. Our chip stock investor portfolio overall did over 100% return in 2023. So Qualcomm, it was, it was a dud. It dragged down our average return. Not so great. That said, we would be more than happy with 30% total return for any of our stocks in any normal year. That's absolutely market crushing performance. So uh, yeah. We'd be pretty happy if we had a repeat in 2024 for Qualcomm. So I guess let's maybe get started with our top-down investment process. We'll walk you through that and discuss why we think Qualcomm is, again, going to be a good stock to own for 2024, why we have it as one of our big tech stock core holdings in our chip stock portfolio. Let's start with the macro level, 5G. We're now on the fifth generation wireless network. Why is this still a secular growth trend? There's a few reasons to believe that the 5G trend is not over. Right now, you'll see a lot of headlines stating that this growth trend is over. But projection is that nearly 70% of smartphone shipments in 2023 will be 5G ready. Around 30% of smartphones shipped are without 5G chips in them. Most of those are budget, mid-range phones. So eventually all phones will be 5G ready. Not only does that mean more 5G chips will be sold, that will mean the average selling price of phones will increase. Our second point, 5G ready doesn't mean that the 5G network capability is actually being used. We're going to walk you through a couple charts here from uh, network equipment company Ericsson, ticker symbol ERIC here in the US. It, you can see that 5G revenue growth indexed to the start of 2017 is, is up quite a bit, well over 
but actual 5G subscription penetration as a percentage of a wireless network operator's total revenue in the top 25G markets at the end of 2022 was still less than 20%. By the end of 2023, we still think this number is well below 30 to 40%. And that's just those first 20 markets that started rolling out 5G network capabilities the last few years. So in other words, there's still a lot of infrastructure that needs to be built to actually enable all of those phones with, with a 5G chip in them that you just mentioned. So kind of a weird thing going on, Casey. It's a little bit of maybe device over-engineering at this point to have all these 5G chips that aren't actually being used. But you know, unfortunately, that's just been the case as a selling point for a lot of these devices. They're not getting used. And again, that means more 5G chips will be needed to continue to build out and improve that network. And the third point that we can talk about here is that similar to other technology names, 5G is painted with really broad strokes. There's a lot of network capabilities tagged as 5G, but are not really 5G in a sense. You can take a look at this chart that Ericsson has about network performance for 5G. It's actually declined in initial rollout in 20 markets. Greater network performance will be needed in the coming years in order to justify this move to 5G. And this third point, let's maybe break it down into a couple of subpoints to get a better understanding of, of what we're talking about when you talk about 5G being painted with broad strokes. Here's another chart from Ericsson, and this is a, a bit of a roadmap for what 5G network technology capabilities will be enabled going forward. You see millimeter wave, MM wave. Often that was like the first citation when 5G was initially being pitched a few years ago as having this uh, massive upgrade on 4G LTE as far as download speeds and latency and whatnot. Companies like Verizon in the US really leaned into this pretty heavily. But by and large, millimeter wave has not been ready, has not been viable in most applications. So that's still a technology roadmap being worked on. There's other things like FWA or fixed wireless access. That's where you take a 5G wireless signal and basically offer it to homes and to businesses as a replacement for traditional broadband internet service. There's another technology roadmap that still has a long ways to go. There's other niche applications like private 5G networks. Maybe you have your business and you have a factory and you have a bunch of machines in there and workers with devices, and you want them to all be wirelessly connected and tied together with some sort of software system. And so you build a private 5G network to connect all of that. So a lot of little things like this that can still continuously be developed and propel 5G forward. The long story short here is 5G is not just about smartphones like previous generations, 3G and 4G and so on were. Uh, a lot of devices are now in need, or at least there's a push uh, for these, a lot of devices to have a 5G ready chip in them. To hit that point home, Nick, let's just give you all a few numbers here. The chip industry sales, which is revenue from the sale of finished products that get installed into computing and electronic devices, are still expected to go from 520 billion or around there in 2023 to 1 trillion in 2030 
which is an expected CAGR of 7 to 10%. This is our estimate accounting for a miss or an exceed of the general trend. We do expect that 5G and wireless chip sales to at least match that overall industry growth rate. So this is the general macro trend that's fueling Qualcomm, or in the last couple of years, not been fueling Qualcomm. We'll talk about that momentarily. So let's talk about the business overall here for a moment. And I'd like to lead off this segment, Casey, with something new that I think we should try to do for 2024. If y'all like it, let's call it your one up at a Wall Street cocktail party segment. So this is like uh, random little facts that nobody knows that you can use to one up somebody that thinks they're smarter than everyone else in the room at a cocktail party. I don't know how that many people are going to Wall Street cocktail parties, but this could also work at your family dinner table, backyard barbecue, picnic, whatever. Fair enough. We're not going to any Wall Street cocktail parties either. Maybe we'll come up with a better name for the segment. Okay, here's the little tidbit of information. Contrary to common belief, because you will find this all over the internet, and some people get very dogmatic about this, that Qualcomm is fabulous. It has zero manufacturing. Contrary to popular belief, Qualcomm is not fabulous. Here's the proof. Direct from Qualcomm's own annual report that they just filed a few months ago, they have manufacturing, in-house manufacturing that they utilize for some of their radio frequency chips and some of their radio frequency front end chips. Yes, most of what Qualcomm does is fabulous. They outsource the manufacturing and assembly of their chips and modules to other companies, but they do have some in-house manufacturing capabilities. They do some wafer fab in Germany and Singapore and some of their own packaging, again, in Singapore and China. Fun fact there, if anyone tries to get dogmatic with you uh, about Qualcomm being fabulous, it's in the annual report from Qualcomm. You may be familiar with this slide from Qualcomm's investor relations deck. They report segment results in QCT and QTL every quarter. And we'll add one other segment. They do not report on these slide decks, QSI. But to start with, let's break down what each of these segments actually means where the revenue is coming from, and why this is important to us. Let's start with QCT. The QCT segment stands for Qualcomm CDMA Technologies. CDMA is Code Division Multiple Access, which is the underlying tech that enables wireless communications via analog chips. Qualcomm builds the integrated circuits and system software for tons of wireless tech devices. This segment was 85% of Qualcomm's revenue in 2023. This is the biggest portion of revenue for Qualcomm. When you think of some of the devices that Qualcomm provides these integrated circuits for, wireless modems, RF or radio frequency, and RFE, radio frequency front-end modules, and RF filters, which are the individual analog chips that can be built into RF and RFE modules. And just to be clear, when we say that Qualcomm is not completely fabulous, we're saying that based on their 10K form, they disclose that they do manufacture in-house some of their radio frequency and RFFE chips. Their Snapdragon lineup, of course, is manufactured with some of their partners. Besides the actual wireless chips themselves, Casey, I think where a lot of people 
no Qualcomm from is actually from the mobile processors, integrated graphics, and in more recent years, the NPUs, neural processing units, a type of AI and other accelerated compute chip, all sort of integrated together into what Qualcomm calls its Snapdragon lineup of chips. Sometimes these Snapdragon chips are fully integrated with the uh, wireless modules themselves. Sometimes Qualcomm splits these in two and sells the wireless module separate from the Snapdragon processors. At any rate, when you see the Qualcomm name on a device, like a smartphone for sale at, at a retailer, what you're probably seeing is that Snapdragon chip. And that's where the fabless business model comes in. So the Snapdragon lineup, these are ARM holding based processors. They compete with companies like Apple and it's integrated iPhone and more recently the M series chips for the MacBooks, MediaTek, and lots of other mobile chip designers that use ARM holding as a basis for their chip design. So this is Qualcomm's bread and butter, QCT, Qualcomm CDMA Technologies. This is the chip design and manufacturing segment, 85% of revenue in fiscal year 2023. So let's talk about the second big segment, QTL, Qualcomm Technology Licensing, about 15% of revenue in fiscal 2023. So this segment, again, goes all the way back to that CDMA code division, multiple access research development, and really pioneering work Qualcomm did back in the 1980s. A company was founded in 1985. Qualcomm still has deep hooks in all things wireless communications because they won that battle all the way back in the 80s. And so at this point in the game, it could be 3G, 4G, 5G, any number of chip type or device that has some sort of wireless communications enabling a chip in it, there's a really, really good chance that Qualcomm is receiving a royalty payment for the sale of that device because of QTL, this large portfolio of intellectual property, IP, and patent. Let's take you to our semiconductor industry flowchart here to explain this part of Qualcomm's business. At the very top, you'll see chip patents and licensing. There's two portions of revenue that a business will generate when they have a licensing segment. And we've talked about this specifically with arm holding as well. First of all, there's the licensing portion of the revenue and businesses will purchase the plans, so to speak, to make those chips. The, they will license those designs. The second portion is royalties. So the business receives a royalty or a fee based on every device that is sold with that chip design in it. And that's what Qualcomm is doing as well. And this is where you often see legal disputes happening in the technology industry. Uh, it's happening between actually Qualcomm and Arm Holdings. We'll talk about that uh, later. In the past, there were those kind of scrape ups between Apple and Qualcomm. Uh, this is what it goes back to is a company claims it owns the patent to a certain technology and they want to cut for owning that patent. And that's kind of a, a, a sticking point for a lot of customers because it means extra operating expense for them. At any rate, another fun fact for your one-up at a Wall Street cocktail party, QTL, Qualcomm Technology Licensing, earnings before tax, EBT, was $3.6 or an EBT profit margin of 68% in 2023, which completely covered the $3.5 billion worth of dividend payments Qualcomm doled out last year. 
that did not cover the 2.97 billion in stock were purchases. But if dividends are what you're after in a stock, QTL all on its own pays for the dividend. Pretty cool. You'll see one other segment here in our pie chart, QSI or Qualcomm Strategic Initiatives. Now you won't find QSI reported as a standalone segment in Qualcomm's slide decks, but you can find this under investment and other income or expenses in the statement of operations. So Nick, can you explain to us what QSI is? Yeah, this used to be reported as a standalone segment and usually it contributes a few cents per share Maybe it's a few cents per share loss when it used to be reported before. And it's basically Qualcomm's investment arm. Maybe it makes investments into startups, wireless technology startups, provides funding for startups. There's some venture capital going on here. So it's a very small segment. But just to your point, Casey, on where you can quickly kind of see a very high level view of where this is reported, again, on the statement of operations page, uh, that's where you find revenue, operating income, net income, and all the d- different light items and expenses, investment and other income or expense net. In fiscal year 2023, we have this highlighted here for you. That line item was net income of 349 million versus a net loss of 372 million in 2022. Granted, this line item includes interest income on, for example, Qualcomm's cash and short-term investments on balance, uh, as well as interest expense on debt. But those things will, by and large, kind of cancel each other out. And what you're left with is investment income or expense reported on a a quarterly basis based on the small results that QSI portfolio might be generating. Okay, let's move into some outlook for 2024, because as you've probably heard at this point, the PC and the smartphone market is coming out of a deep, deep decline. And a rebound in those segments is uh, part of the main investment thesis, at least for 2024, for the next year, for a lot of companies that play in this market, including Qualcomm. Casey, walk us through a few general expectations for the smartphone market. As you mentioned, Nick, in 2023, that was about the lowest point for smartphone sales, around 1.1 to 1.2 billion units for 2023. And we believe that number could rise by a low single to mid-digit percent in 2024. And most of those phones will have 5G-ready capabilities. Put simply, we have seen the bottom in smartphone sales in 2023, and we expect a rebound in 2024. A low to mid single-digit rebound in smartphone unit sales in 2024. That's not much of a growth thesis, right? So there's another assumption here. We talked about this when talking about the 5G market overall. More technology development is needed to continue to propel 5G. So just a bit of info here. This is taken from Qualcomm CFO Akash Polkawala's comments at a recent investment conference in November regarding specifically 5G smartphone unit sales, high single digit to low double digit percent increases over 2023 to 2024. So the market overall is in rebound, but more 5G units will be sold. So again, like we said, 
roughly 70% of all smartphones had a 5G chip in them last year, that percentage is probably going to continue to go up and eventually reach 100%. So that's another factor here that could propel Qualcomm higher, more 5G chips, which have higher average selling prices. And as far as what that average selling price is, Paul Kowala said that they expect this to be about a 10-ish percent increase in chip content per phone. So not only is the number of 5G phones going up, but also the dollar amount to Qualcomm per 5G phone expected to increase about 10%. Altogether, rebounding smartphone sales plus higher ASPs, we think Qualcomm actually could be a, a mid-teens to maybe even 20% revenue growth story in 2024. You can actually see this show up in the guidance. So Q4 fiscal 2023 revenue was $8.6 billion, but the outlook for Q1 fiscal 2024, that's the three months that ended, that just ended in December 2023, was for $9.1 to $9.9 billion. So there's a sequential increase there in revenue that's expected. But this also leaves open the possibility for actual year-over-year growth for the first time in, in well over a year, because Q1 23 revenue was $9.46 billion. So at the high end of Qualcomm's guidance, they're actually already expecting a return to year-over-year growth driven by this smartphone rebound and more 5G content per phone. You'll notice on this slide that Qualcomm breaks up this QCT segment in three different Subsegments: handsets, automotive, and IoT. IoT is a catch-all basically for everything that is not handset or automotive related. So PC market falls into this. We recently talked about the Snapdragon X Elite PC chip a few months ago, and that has the potential to be a big disruptor between the x86 duopoly of Intel and AMD. This Snapdragon X Elite would be a competitor to Apple's M series chips for PCs. These computers with this Snapdragon X Elite will not be out until at least June, possibly later this year. So we'll see what happens with that. But exciting news and a possible competitor for Intel and AMD, as well as Apple. But in the meantime, IoT in other areas besides PC picked up some steam as well. Revenue in Q4 was $1.38 billion, which is a sizable decline, 31% year-over-year and 19% down for full year. With that segment going down so much this last year, it has a lot of room to rebound in 2024. Okay, those are the two segments where there's a lot of optimism building. What about automotive, though? The automotive segment actually continued to increase all the while the smartphone handsets and IoT segments declined over the last year. Now we think it's going to flip in 2024. The good news is automotive is the smallest segment at Qualcomm. So this is probably only going to be a small drag on the overall recovery, but it's still worth mentioning because automotive is a key pillar to Qualcomm's diversification away from just being a smartphone business. But here's what's going on right now. And you've seen this in the headlines. It looks like there is now excess inventory of automotive chips after exceptional growth the last couple of years. This whole modern car being turned into a, a data center on wheels, lots of new chip supply has come online to meet that increasing demand from automakers 
but now there's that excess chip inventory. Same as what happened with smartphones and PCs over the last couple of years. It's just been a bit of a lag until this point. So our estimate is that we're looking at anywhere from a 15% to 30% year-over-year drop in industrial and automotive chip sales through the first half of calendar year 2024 before a bottom is reached. Shortly after we were working on our notes for this, we saw Mobileye, Intel's majority-owned automotive chip segment, said this exactly. They suddenly decided to let everybody know that they also have excess inventory of their chips at automotive customers. They're going to be reporting, it looks like, a a full-year decline in sales in 2024. So Qualcomm's not going to be exempt from this. So auto sales were $1.87 billion in 2023. That was a 24% increase over 2022. And we think for 2024, those sales fall back to 2022 levels, maybe about 1.5 to 1.6 billion in revenue. Maybe that's a bit overly pessimistic, but that's what we're penciling in for our expectations right now. We'll see what management has to say about this real soon. Let's jump back to that IoT section one more time. Things like augmented and virtual reality headsets, fixed wireless access, data centers, all of these end markets are very small for Qualcomm, but they do represent a possible future growth potential. So let's talk about margins here for a bit, because one thing that we look for when we're investing in a company for the long term is not just growth over time, but profit margin expansion. This is another place where we see lots of upside for Qualcomm in the years to come. So again, epic downturn the last two years, but throughout this period, Qualcomm remained highly profitable. Not all semiconductor businesses can say that. Here's some charts from our friends at Main Street Data showing this. You can see gap operating and gap net income very, very well into the double digit percentage here. Gap operating profit margin was 21% over the last trailing 12 months. I'll say that again for emphasis. In the worst downturn for consumer electronics since the dot-com bubble, Qualcomm still cranked out gap operating profit margin of 21%. Free cash flow margin was 28%. So this is interesting because early last year, we pointed out the big jump in Qualcomm's inventory, which was just affirmation at the time that you know we were in for a pretty deep decline in smartphone sales in 2023. And this is where we initially called out the fact that Qualcomm does actually have manufacturing. They had this big jump in inventory of chips, some of which they'd manufactured themselves. But we said that as customer inventory cleared, Qualcomm's inventory would begin to get converted into free cash flow. And that's exactly what happened. Big, big, giant jump in free cash flow this past year. That's why that free cash flow margin was 28%. I think this is a leading indicator for where gap profit margins are headed this year because that inventory is still a bit elevated, 6.4 billion at the end of September 2023 versus just 3.2 billion a couple of years ago at the end of fiscal year 2021. Again, just to reiterate the fact, we think Qualcomm's profit margins, both on a gap basis and on a free cash flow basis, are headed to 30% and higher in the course of the next couple of years during the smartphone industry recovery. The key point here is that Qualcomm is a cash generating machine. It can fund research and development, acquisitions, service debt, and still have plenty of cash 
left over to increase the dividend over time. And anything left over, you can see by this chart, has been plowed back into stock repurchases. The balance sheet is also in good shape after free cash flow surge in 2023. Cash and short-term investments for 2023, $11.3 billion at the end of September, offset by debt, $15.4 billion. So we need to now talk about risks to our thesis, which we talked about all along the way in 2023 when Qualcomm was underperforming the average chip stock performance, but still ended up being pretty good anyways. We don't think these risks are going away though. So the first, of course, lots of new competition. This is a risk for every established semiconductor company around Intel, AMD, uh, NVIDIA, so on and so forth. One big one that was called out in particular in recent months that we did a video on, links to those two videos here, was Huawei and specifically their chip design segment called High Silicon. They announced this new Mate 60 Pro phone with an advanced processor, as well as potentially, it looks like a 5G chip as well. Again, going back to some recent investor conferences, CFO Akash Pokawala has kind of written off these chips as being a bit behind Qualcomm's technology. And we agree, we do think Qualcomm is still very much the leader in certainly 5G connectivity chips, but also some of these Snapdragon processors, they are the ones to beat and we still see them being the leader. So yes, maybe some Huawei phones use some of their own in-house chips, but a lot of other Chinese phone manufacturers are still going to be compelled to continue using Qualcomm chips. Per usual, the media latches onto hot topics like this and just runs away with it. We think this risk is a bit overstated, but still a situation worth monitoring. So that's one big risk, what happens to Qualcomm's chip sales, specifically for Chinese smartphone manufacturers. The second risk that we want to cover is the smartphone recovery may not last that long. Excluding that bump from 5G networks that we talked about, 5G adoption in smartphones, the smartphone market overall is not necessarily a secular growth trend in our opinion. Smartphones are ubiquitous in today's society. So this is becoming a lot more like the PC market. And our expectation is that sales up cycles will be followed by down cycles every couple of years, which leads to a lower single digit kegger in the market going forward. And this of course poses a risk to Qualcomm's sustained recovery if the rebound in smartphone sales fizzles at an earlier than expected date. And same goes for PC, right? There's a lot of hype being built around the Snapdragon X Elite and also some of the smartphones as well with Qualcomm building these NPUs, the neural processing units, integrated into their Snapdragon chips to help fuel on-device AI inference. So the AI algorithm gets trained, it's in the data center, but maybe pulling some of that work after it's been trained out of the data center and putting it back on the device again, maybe that doesn't work out as well as everybody is hoping it will. Something similar with automotive, maybe the downturn is a lot worse than everyone expects it will be through the first half of 2024. Maybe it goes well beyond the first half of 2024. Maybe the automotive downturn, again, this is what happened with smartphone and PC chip downturns. Everybody kind of thought summer 2023, it was going to be finished and done with but it got extended by a quarter or two. Pretty much the entirety of calendar year 2023 was pretty rotten for PC. 
and smartphone sales, maybe something happens to auto similar to that. And then, of course, we need to think about the risk that companies like Apple, Samsung, and other customers of Qualcomm will develop their own in-house tech and try to cut Qualcomm out of the mix. And we know in 2023, Qualcomm did renew some of their long-term contracts, both with Apple and Samsung, but it's impossible to think otherwise. Apple and Samsung will continue to develop their own chips and eventually will try to cut Qualcomm out of the mix. And of course, as Nick mentioned, Huawei's new flagship phones, which have in-house designed 5G modems, which are manufactured by Semiconductor Manufacturing International, or SMIC, in China, could be a pretty large risk factor for Qualcomm going forward. Another one we alluded to earlier, arm holding. It, It wants a bigger cut, specifically from an acquisition Qualcomm made back in early 2021, At the time, it made this purchase of a startup called Nuvia. Uh, Nuvia designs ARM-based chips. These were Apple engineers that started this this startup. And so Qualcomm scooped it up. They saw the potential to enter the PC market with this purchase, potentially also the data center market at some point. But as you may know, ARM had its partial spinoff from SoftBank late in 2023. SoftBank and ARM have really been trying to push its customers towards its total access licensing portfolio. And this is why we think they probably tagged Qualcomm with a lawsuit. They want Nuvia to pay for a total access license. They want a bigger cut from those chips once they get rolling in the PC market. We think this is ultimately a pretty silly move from ARM slash SoftBank. We think this is just SoftBank trying to juice its profit from its ARM holding a position that's acquired a number of years back. But nevertheless, if Nuvia chips are a success, some of that success could actually get diverted away from Qualcomm to arm holding instead. One risk that keeps coming up again and again when we research Qualcomm is that two-thirds of its revenue is coming from China. Is revenue concentration in one area a risk for Qualcomm? We've been asked this numerous times. So we think this is a risk that's overblown, and we think it stems from a misunderstanding of how Qualcomm recognizes its revenue. Again, we talked about this in some videos a couple of months ago, but let's use the semiconductor industry flowchart to illustrate what's going on here. So Qualcomm records most of its sales when the chip or module is sold to an assembly facility for final installation into a smartphone or other mobile device. The Qualcomm sale is not recorded where that final device is eventually sold, okay? So Qualcomm revenue is recognized here at the chip contract manufacturer or or the chip assembly third-party manufacturer. We explain this in our semiconductor industry flowchart in a bit more depth, but this is where the sale is actually recognized, not with the tech equipment and device sale itself. So most of those assembly processes take place in China. So that's why the revenue is noted as being from China and not from North America, where a lot of Samsung phones are sold, South Korea, Latin America, Europe, so on and so forth. That's why two-thirds of it is recognized in China versus the more diverse end markets where Qualcomm chips actually wind up in the hands of users. Nick, we have been invested in Qualcomm for quite some time now. The current stock price is just under 140. 
What are your final thoughts on valuation? Maybe look at it from an investor who has not yet entered into Qualcomm. What are your final thoughts on valuation at this point? Okay, good question. So here's what we have penciled in for our expectations for 2024. This is conservative, but we think 10 to 11 billion in free cash flow is like our base level expectation. Let's split the difference and say 10 and a half billion. That's a pretty modest increase over 2023, but that that sticks a valuation of about 15 times expected free cash flow. Even if you assume a pretty modest rebound like this for 2024, and then maybe just a low single digit free cash flow per share growth rate of three to five percent into perpetuity, using a discounted cash flow method, I think Qualcomm stock is about 10% undervalued right now. And that's, again, excluding a possible and sizable recovery for the business in the next year or two. So we think there's upside from this base level assumption. We think the stock is undervalued at this point. We get a lot of questions about the peg ratio, price to earnings growth ratio. We don't necessarily think this is an appropriate valuation method to use for Qualcomm, given that we think this is going to be a cyclical business over time. We think every few years, there's going to be that smartphone cycle that you mentioned earlier, Casey, where uh, a run-up in sales is followed by maybe a bit of a, a downturn every couple of years. But either way, we see this as an attractive long-term value right now on a growth and income dividend and stock buyback investment. It's a tech giant. So we don't necessarily expect a 30% plus total return repeat like we had last year in 2023, but we still think this is a solid core holding in our chip stock portfolio. Okay, that's a wrap on our discussion about Qualcomm today. We will have a Qualcomm deep dive manual on our Kofi shop. Link will be in the description and here on the video as well. This manual will include all of our show notes as well as some extra slides, resources, some charts. If you think this will be helpful in helping you figure out Qualcomm and whether or not this should be in your portfolio, check it out on our Kofi shop as well as our semiconductor industry flow manual for 2024. Once again, thank you for watching our show and being a subscriber to our channel. We really appreciate it. If you want to say thanks, you can hit that super thanks button and leave a comment or you can join our membership here on YouTube for a small monthly fee, which gets you some custom emojis and badges to use on our channel. Thank you so much for supporting us. All of that goes towards our work here at keeping this channel running. So we really appreciate it. Everyone have a great weekend. We will see you again soon at Chipstock Investor.